Cool. Hi, I'm sitting here at Envision with Adam. We're, we're sweating because it's, it's hot. It's hot. It's yeah. really hot. <laughs> and you're going to have an immersive experience with us at Envision Festival. People playing music, people uh, giving workshops, creativity really. Yeah, you get a chance to feel what it feels like to be in the jungle with us at the Envision Festival. Absolutely. And I want to I want to have a conversation with you about creativity. What kind of are your flow triggers into creativity? What what you see happens at festivals and convergences like Envision, and, and you know why it calls you to be here? Mm, that's a lot of different questions. That's a lot of different <laughs> aspects to dive into. I think that um, one of my favorite things about festivals in general is that the the collective belief about festivals is that magic happens there, mm. like people show up to a festival thinking the most mad they've heard stories they've heard their friends talk about it they've been to it and experienced it and and there's this collective ethos that magic happens at festivals and when you have that many people that believe yeah. in something like that it it creates this powerful field that actually um makes it happen mm-hmm. right we create our reality and so whenever that I think it's it's such a sign of the power of collective belief, and um, that gets me really lit up, man. I love being in the field of people who have that anything's possible mentality, and I especially love being surrounded by thousands of people who are, are yeah. buying into it. Yeah. It's really particular. I, I love how you're explaining it. Like this field that is created by so many people tapping into their authentic kind of desire for living the dream, for the miracle, for the creativity speak through them. I'm personally like triggered at festivals into two directions. One is like the immersive awe of everything that's happening. And the other side actually is really to own myself because there's so much happening that you can easily just float around and get lost in it. Yeah. There, and sometimes that's not even a bad thing. Like yeah. float around and get lost in it is kind of my goal at festivals. <laughs> okay, cool. You know, cause I'm, I'm, so, I'm a person who is so, um, driven and and creating so much all the time that festivals are a chance for me to take my hands off the steering wheel and be fully guided and say yes to things that like someone shows up like hey you want want this drink of of cacao whatever sure absolutely hey you want to go to the beach yeah sure why not and just kind of go with the flow of things um release stuff like time management yeah basically people tell me they're going to be somewhere at some time I'm, i go maybe they'll maybe be there. yeah maybe uh we're going to leave at this time uh are we really and, <laughs> and so it's uh it's a surrender experiment at the highest level and and i think that when i can do that and see beauty as a result of that when i can yeah. when i can experience magic at a festival and t- tie that to the concept of surrendering and not needing to be in control that carries with me throughout the next several months or whatever until inevitably some level of it creeps back in in the, in the what people would call the real world yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it creeps back into my my way of being yeah. and then i go to another festival or i go to another thing and get reminded oh yeah that spark of inspiration. You, you don't need yeah. to try and control everything. Just let the magic unfold. Yeah, I love surrender. I, I feel like the interplay of surrender and willpower within like each one of us is is just like a like an alpha and omega kind of balance for myself. Yeah, you, you know, like that that feeling of I want to deliberately apply and create, but but also really like who am I to create in the first place? The universe creates through us so much. Mm-hmm. 
I want to talk about the real world because you, you you said it like with quotation marks for those who are not watching the video and you know like in your vision field in your like artistic like soul like how do you how do you sense this kind of energy is, is bridging more and more into the real world because we can have experiences like this of such a high heart brain coherence theoretically anywhere where the people are ready 100% and, and I I feel what's happening is you're seeing festival culture merge into mainstream culture mm. festivals were this offshoot <laughs> thing that was yeah. only for hippies and and woo-woo people uh, and now you're seeing like burning man culture yeah. being being um, commercialized you're, you're that's how you know it's getting into the mainstream right. you're seeing Burning Man, and all I, I use Burning Man as a great example because it's it's one of the biggest. It's one of the biggest. And yeah. but festivals in general, you're seeing festival fashion yeah. start to become more mainstream. You're seeing people um, utilize festivals as um, marketing opportunities, and mm. and you're seeing like just an example being you'll see a commercial where it's a Pepsi commercial, but they're at a music festival <laughs> drinking the Pepsi, yeah. right? So it's just- Creating that kind of vibe, It's yeah. becoming part of the mainstream culture, and I think that um, that's, I, I feel about it the same way that I feel about yoga becoming mainstream. Mm. I think that there, yes, we can talk about, wow, it's so shitty that, that it's being commoditized and commercialized and it's becoming bubblegum right. yoga, but at the end of the day, it's a better thing to bring into the the, the like collective than um, I don't know just drinking like just I, drinking or another like commercialized good that actually is empty right because yeah. the moment somebody on I, I, I like the word on ramping into more conscious topics mm-hmm. yoga no matter which form even if it is goat yoga or, or whatever else people are doing <laughs> these days I mean at least those videos I've seen I haven't actually you know for me yoga is really like my practice mm-hmm. but then at a festival like Envision I enjoy the like barefoot in the jungle kind of like really earthy energy yeah definitely a place for me where I realize like on the degree of, of let's call it hippie or like you yeah. know like earthy um, this is this is Envision so I would say I'm, I'm more on the other side of the, the spectrum but in other places I was just in Switzerland I feel like I'm the hippie, you know? Yeah. I'm bringing in that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. And so that cross-pollination is where I find a lot of creativity in. Well, you get, you come to a spot like this and it gives you permission to let your hippie flag fly a little right. bit more, right? Like you see that, wow, I'm actually, in a, an environment like this, I'm actually more of like the, the square, like, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. it goes, okay, well, what areas have I not given myself permission to let out more mm. expressively? Because I think at the end of the day, that's that's more what it's about. I don't I don't think ev- like everyone in their awakening process becomes more of the dreadlocks and of course barefoot, not, yeah. whatever. That's not necessarily. And not the everyone's case. an artist either, right? Like people well, express it, differently. I think everyone's an artist. I think I think that th- when you say that, it's a semantic thing, right? Like, Fair enough. Yeah. Because uh, what is art? Yeah. To me, art is the expression of creative energy into tangible form. So right. that can look like this podcast is an art form for you. You're expressing yourself creatively through this podcast, right? That's an art. So you're an artist. You're creating art right now. And um, people, some people, it's like they like to cook for their family and they love like making a new meal for their family and trying a new recipe like my mom would do. You're like, and that's an expression of her creativity as a mother and a nurturer, like being being the container for her creative energy. But that's artistry. And, and I think that 
it's important to, to whenever I hear someone say, "Yeah, but I'm not an artist," or what, everyone's an artist. Um, it's it's a perspective. Be, being an artist is a perspective. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's a semantic thing. Is it, is for me too? Like when you say creative form, like bringing the creative into form or shaping it. Like yeah, even things that are very capitalistic in nature. Let's say like a car, for example, are an expression of art, and in, in its way, it has a place in our society. It's it's interesting when you are around like just barefoot people for a full week, <laughs> and there's like almost no cars, right? There's just people slowing down quite a bit more out here for everyone who's been like there's almost no cell phone reception so you're you're kind of positively forced by the environment to be more present mm -hmm. and bringing it back to this idea of like how can beyond fashion which i think is a great example we can bring festival culture or or, or you know more like embody culture into the mainstream mm -hmm. i think the way we design spaces the way we we design mm -hmm. you know village squares like here where they build these bamboo structures over the last 10 years it just lends itself for like, much more, I would say, like human speed connection. Because when you're traveling a lot, you're flying, you're driving, you're in your cell phone, your mind is constantly somewhere else, actually. Mm -hmm. And so the moment I get barefoot, I feel like I'm actually slowing down and sitting with people or being with people or you know, authentically dropping in. Yeah, I mean, I think, to speak to your barefoot point, for most people, when we walk barefoot, one, we're more connected to what we're walking on. Um, and also we slow down our walk, like whether we're watching our step, we're stepping more gingerly, whatever, like there's a more conscious approach to just walking and, mm. and that's a thing. And then speaking to the infrastructure and, and the space that we're in, uh, you know, physical space is the container for, for the energy. Yeah. Right. And, and so if you create a space very intentionally, you can help direct and, and move energy. You can, you can really create the environment by which uh, people are going to come in and, and fill the space not just physically but with their own like consciousness yeah and festivals that's one of the most magical things is is generally like at least the transformational festivals that I attend these festivals are um, places where everyone is so open-hearted yeah and there's this this compassion and understanding and, and like tribal we're all one feeling that totally. these festivals have and when you have an experience of that you can't unsee it you can't go back out into the world and forget that <laughs> yeah. that exists you yeah. may not practice it you may not um, choose to create it in your own life but you know that it's possible yeah and I always think about what are the elements that make that possible for a festival and how can we improve those elements over time because one of the big reasons festivals can do that is because they're only a week long totally. or four days long like the moment that that food runs out or water runs out or whatever power goes out like power and water, all of yeah, a sudden definitely. like shit gets real yeah. and it becomes lord of the flies out in the jungle out here and yeah. you're going to see people's shadow come out and how so if we know that and we look out in the world where we're dealing with scarcity of resources, not scarcity, a scarcity mindset scarcity to res mindset resources, resources, then yeah. what, like how do we take the elements that make it possible in an in a environment like Envision or Burning Man and, and apply that and create mm -hmm. structures and systems that allow for us to be in that connected state? Um, Especially as there. we are inheriting out there, we're inheriting a lot of like industrial revolution type infrastructure. And mm -hmm. so not all of that is laid out in a way where you easily connect with 
yourself as nature or uh, you, where your tr consciousness mm -hmm. travels in the same way as it would in or cubicles uh, cubicles, cubicles or, yeah, or like they, condominiums how are you supposed to how are you supposed <laughs> to connect with people when you're in a yeah. cubicle if you're sensitive these things are very real for you like i i know when i'm in a in like a like a loft kind of style apartment i can feel the energy of the people around me in the other spaces because mm. the spaces are so small that that like it's almost like their 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 aura would like go through the wall you know <laughs> yeah, I think space is so important. It's yeah. one of the things that I've recently um, just decided I get to put more money into. Like when nice. I travel, I travel nonstop, like for almost two years now. And um, sometimes it goes, I'm only in this spot for like four days. Let me just get a, a cheap Airbnb right. and, and whatever. But uh, it impacts me tremendously. It's something yeah. that I know comes back. I don't know. It doesn't have to be direct, but I know that if I invest, if I invest a full expression bit, here. Yeah. If I invest the money in a space that that feels expansive, then every single day that I wake up, I look around and go, "Wow, I'm I'm happy to be here. I feel just better." And that energy will come back to me. It'll pour 100%. into it'll pour into the content that I put out in the world, maybe my podcast or or a, a post on Instagram, and that sort of thing will have greater impact. And the greater impact that I have, naturally, that'll come back in the toroidal to me as ROI in some way, shape, or form. And so um, just really, you know, appreciating space. And I think for people listening to this or watching this on the video, um, one of the things that I did many, many years ago with my girlfriend at the time was we made the decision that we get to treat our space mm. like our dream home. We were in a one-bedroom apartment and we were treating it like a one-bedroom apartment. And we were like, well, if we lived in a mansion, we would get this and this and this. And we went, wait a second. Like, why how can we, anyway? yeah, why can't we do, like, why can't we get beautiful crystals or artwork and, and why can't we value, it's a smaller space, but treat it like our dream home. And so that was something that happened many years ago and I've, I've worked to apply uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, I like this, bringing this sacred into like, the home space. I think this is also why so many people are so attached to their home, to be honest. It's because they, there they have a feeling that, that allows them to be in their comfort zone or in their expressive zone as it is. And the moment you travel, like you got to get really good. You, you're saying like after two years of it, you're so clear on that now, but you probably had X amount of experiences where you compromise and then the creativity just flows differently, right? Like we're processing more on the like real world stuff and therefore there's less space for, for whatever else wants to emerge. I want to ask about um, festival culture and, and creativity, like what really is obvious to me is there's a lot less alcohol than in other spaces, especially growing up in Europe, alcohol is everywhere, you know. Um, there's definitely a lot more freedom of like expanding one's own consciousness. What's your, what's your stance around like the way that the, the culture is lived differently at, at the festival spaces? Well, it depends on the festival, right? Mm. Like Burning Man, there's a ton of alcohol. Yeah, it's it's easier to find alcohol than water a lot of the times. Mm. So it's like everywhere. Um, but my experience of Burning Man is I tend to wind up in spaces that there's not really alcohol because I don't drink that much. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I've I've been single for a few months now after my last relationship ended, and I've drank again, not often, but. I mean, I went six years without drinking. So wow. like to drink even a couple times a month is a lot for me. It's a lot when you've um, cleaned out, yeah. Yeah, and so, but what I what I realize is, is when I'm traveling and say, I was just in Montreal and I have a um, no community there. If I wanna be social, 
if the end of the day comes and I'm like, I want to be social and talk to people, whatever, the, the way that our culture is set up is you go to places where there's alcohol. Like that's, that's, that's what brings way... out, that crosses the inhibition point and you're sharing, right? Yeah. yeah and so, yeah. so to not drink is, is difficult, um, in that environment and also to, to not be around people who are drinking is almost impossible. It's almost impossible. And yeah. so here, you know, they have alcohol here. They do. They have this awesome, like local brewery, local that, brewery yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I, I don't plan on drinking any of it. No, yeah. And at the same time, like I have a joint somewhere yeah. that's being offered to me. I was that, just about to say it's much more cannabis culture here than or high culture than, than drinking culture. And I would I would wrap. There are so many so many aspects of this that I would prefer to be like mainstream. I would prefer that cannabis be more readily available and mm -hmm. utilized than alcohol. I believe that cannabis is. Um, better for the body yeah. I believe that cannabis is better for the mind and like the expansion of creativity um, and I also believe that um, it is far less likely that someone smokes a joint and goes out and gets in a fight or commits an act of domestic violence yeah, totally. or goes out and and kills someone in an, a fit of rage like I don't know anyone who smoked a joint and then wanted to fight anyone like that just is I just that would blow my mind and yet you drink a couple shots of whiskey and all of a sudden you want to fight your friends. You know, it's, it's just like these, yeah, these things. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I hear you, man. I think it would be better off for cannabis to take hold in the, over alcohol. Yeah, if, if you don't mind, I'd love to like ask you one more question about cannabis culture. I, I feel like, you know, let's make that metaphor. I think there's um, a Michael Pollan book out there on Audible right now for, for people who are interested in, in the way culture forms on coffee culture. Mm -hmm. And so if you make that comparison, right, like coffee culture, came into like renaissance time people even link it with that came into like europe at a time when people were basically drinking alcohol non-stop because it was the only like clearly sanitized water it was fermented so mm -hmm. you know it was safe a lot of and, people don't know that by the way that that yeah. the reason why alcohol was drank so much was because it was it was safer than water to drink yeah and so because the consciousness around clean water was just that poor and and you know so when coffee got introduced, suddenly that spark of productivity and also vocal exchange, like, you know how much more social you are after a cup of coffee than, let's say, before that, or if you, if you had, like, three light beers, of course, you know, like, in a, in a very different kind of productive frequency. And I feel weed kind of has elements of that and, and beyond into, like, a high culture that, you know, could, could really create visioning or brainstorming or future ideas or, or like, concepting things. And I don't really see go there yet in 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 our like in Canada or in, in California and Washington like, mm -hmm. I feel like it's starting but like what's your stance on that like where do you see high culture could evolve to that that would feel really good is that the term it for it high culture I'm just calling it that yeah I like that, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Um, basically what I see is that people don't have not yet figured out collectively how to utilize it in that way mm. think about how long alcohol has been around and someone yeah. who grew up in in uh, the United States where drinking is like when you start drinking we would I would drink until I threw up and that was when I was done drinking <laughs> yeah. right like that was I remember those times yeah, just college and just going yeah. nuts with alcohol um, and and you kind of learn your limits you kind of learn oh you know what I don't want to do that anymore that doesn't feel good you, you learn about hangovers you learn about mixing different types of alcohol like you learn this thing and you develop your way of, of being with it with your friends and and whatnot and uh, cannabis having been illegal 
for like everywhere. Yeah. It, it's it's and still in the United States, not federally legal. Right. And so it's it's kind of how do we where are we learning our high culture from? Where are we designing it from? Can you imagine if it was like Amsterdam where you had cafes where you could go and smoke a joint with your friends and the way that you can at a bar? Like that would change things. If you could go to a, if you could so. go to a, a, a public place where you could get co- like elixirs and tonics and they served cannabis and you could have, um, you could have a blue lotus elixir with some ashwagandha totally in there, drink that, smoke some cannabis, and be around people. I do think that we would develop a type of culture that was highly productive and, and utilized it in a way that could um, be of benefit to society. But I totally agree. I think it, I think it has to evolve from what Amsterdam kind of role modeled. I mean, the, the Dutch example is. I'm glad that that example existed, but I, or exists, but it's it's still very edgy in some senses too because the legislation isn't super super well done and, and I feel like Canada, California, the states in the US that have legalized, people have a chance to actually create those elixir bars, right? Like imagine it being a rooftop culture too where it's like elevated so it, it gets off the street in the sense of like just get high real quick. Now you go somewhere with this purpose of like up-leveling your, your, your body's chemistry, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's funny because I, I would talk to like my mom about it <laughs> yeah. and say, hey mom, she never smoked weed. And, is she okay with it? Um, no, well, to some degree, yes, to some degree, no. Yeah. And I would ask her, what is her opposition to it? And the truth is, her only opposition is based off of a belief that she had ingrained in her from things like reefer madness and these, and being taught by like D.A.R.E., yeah, that program yeah. in school that was a bunch of BS. Yeah. And, you know, when you really dive into things like the, the illegalization of it, being highly political Very as the reason so. why that became illegal in the first place. And then when you look at the um, profit and the conspiracy theory, or just quite honestly, just the truth of basically enslaving African-American culture and, and African-Americans into privatized profit-driven prison systems yeah. for having like a gram of, of marijuana on you. That, even the name marijuana isn't even accurate. That was used as a way of, of um, getting people to think that it was bad. Yeah. It was never even called marijuana. That was a type of tobacco in, in Mexico. Like, it's so crazy to me that that became just an ethos because of mainstream media. And then someone like my mother, who's amazing and incredible, would still have just that part of her that knows that it's not so, but just like feels like, uh, yeah, but I don't, I, I. A lot of conditioning, yeah. And I would ask, is it be, if it was legal, would, you, would it be different? And for some and, people, yes. Yeah. Some people, that's the answer is yes. If it was legal, I'd yeah. be okay with it. And the funny thing is, then I, my next question is, well, then do you agree with every law that's currently out there? That's a really good follow-up question because are you waiting for father, state, or, or the government to tell you what's, what's right and wrong? That's a dangerous pathway in itself, right? If, if you are living your life deciding that what is good and bad is based on what's legal by the government, that's a crazy way to live, in At least opinion. in 2020. Like, yeah. we're, we don't have society set up where we can really say we have a, like a, I, I would even say like a real democracy isn't even like fully being experienced yet, you know? That's, and that's the thing, man. I, I think that if there's some good to have come out of Trump being elected, one of those things is people now don't trust the government at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People don't trust the system, they don't trust the government. And so, great. I'm, I'm not- start living in inquiry. 
It's live in inquiry, man. Yeah. I, that's the thing. I don't break a lot of laws. Yeah. I break laws on a daily basis. If you look at things like speed limit, yeah, yeah, yeah. I drive faster than the speed limit quite often. Great. So I'm a lawbreaker on every. And so if you're someone who speeds, if you drive faster than the speed limit, then you are someone who's willing to break laws. Now it's just a matter of which ones are you willing to break. Or if you hold your cell phone while driving, right? Yeah. All of these things. All there's these. so many things. And there's crazy laws that people don't even know exist. If you just Google them, something like you can't have your alligator tied up to a, a, <laughs> a fire hydrant in Alabama. You know what I mean? Like weird things like yeah. that, that were laws that never needed to be changed, but are outdated. And the same can be yeah. said, by the way, for religion. Like, let's go into this light of fire on everyone. No? Like, but like, yeah. that same thing of, are we just listening to this thing? I had Joe Rogan, actually, I'm a huge fan of his podcast, and yeah. I was listening to his stand-up comedy routine, and he had this really great skit where he goes, if there was a time machine, and we brought Thomas Edison in, and or Benjamin Franklin, or whatever, any of these founding fathers in, and said, they looked at our society, and they're like, oh my gosh, you guys have these cars and these fly you went to the moon and all these things and then they look at us fighting over gun rights and the first amendment and he goes wait a second you guys didn't update this yeah <laughs> like, you didn't write any new shit like yeah. this is this you just we i wrote yeah. this with a feather yeah by candlelight what do you mean you didn't update it how is that tradition that we like adhere to, right? <laughs> I feel like this is this is a, a cool full circle to where we started with festival culture in the sense that this is emerging culture. This is mm. what's coming up when you're creating a space for the uncertain. This is what happens when you have a crazy idea like building a bamboo village in a forest. Then over 10 years, this is Envision's 10th year, people start gathering, right? So it's, it's like reading the emerging future and acting upon it while our governments, our religions, our even corporations, man. I feel like corporations, get this rap of uh, are ready to save the world and, and I interview a lot of people that do a lot of good with business but I still think corporations are are like a you know in some cases a modern form of slavery and so they're not centered around the creative pursuit of expressing every human's genius mm. yeah I would say it's definitely rare yeah. you know it's rare to find organizations that are committed to the up leveling of human consciousness as a foundational tenant um, and that's why it's very important for everyone, us, everyone listening to this, like vote with your dollar. It's corporations are not inherently evil. Corporations no, are just like human beings inherently designed for survival. And if you're not making money, you don't survive as a corporation. It doesn't matter if you're a nonprofit, you still need to make money. So um, raising funds is part of that. Exactly. Yeah. So basically what we're what it doing as a corporation is what it's going to do and if we can create systems in which your um, corporation's survival is tied to the doing of good like that's the thing then that's that's how we're going 100%. to shift this planet but that doesn't happen if people are still going out and buying McDonald's you know what I mean all of you listening I'm talking to you if you go out and buy McDonald's and and support one of the biggest factory farmed meat systems on the planet like I'm sorry but don't don't think that you're helping the factory farming system yeah yeah you know you're it's not, you're not helping to change that um, what hap what gets to happen is we get to if you're a meat eater for example you buy meat that that treats animals in an ethical way and and is 
doing its best to reduce its carbon footprint. And, and therefore much better for your body. And, and yes, is that more expensive? 100%. Does that mean you might have to eat less meat? 100%. To shift this planet, what it's gonna come down to is how willing are we to get uncomfortable? How much um, convenience are we willing to sacrifice? Or at least how much are we on board with the change that needs to happen? Like another way to look at the carbon uh, conversation is let's say planting one trillion trees. We know this is kind of the threshold number in which we contribute enough in, um, you know, natural kind of um, substance to, to be part of that, that balance. But those one trillion trees, like that will cost a lot of money. There is a pledge already signed actually, but it, it will involve a lot of countries creating a lot of space for it. And so I feel like us being on board with this kind of change and demanding it and, and acting it through, let's say, our meat choices are, you know, you can, you can eat mostly uh, plant-based and still have meat. Like there's no, there's no restriction in how you have to become a vegetarian or vegan. You can just reduce to like once or twice a week and you would probably already make a difference from someone who consumes meat every day. Yeah, the, the point is with all of that, it's, it always comes back to um, what are you willing to give up? Mm. Because um, everyone's, everyone's on board to get more, yeah. but the systems in place right now um, we have to stop feeding them. We have to stop feeding them and start putting our energy and our time, our money, our attention into yeah, other, other things. Feeding. And at the end, like that means that as those systems develop, there's going to be this awkward, uncomfortable period of in-between. There's an in-between period where we're figuring it out. I feel like we're already in that in-between period on a global scale because you know, even though, let's say, not every president of every country is on board about climate change, humanity is inspired now to, to make a shift because we need it. The pollution is real, mm -hmm. sea levels are real, uh, you know, they, you don't have to call it climate change. We can, we can just call it like, you know, the, 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 the awakening of humanity to the ecosphere or just our discovery of science. Like, the more we learn about mycelium and mushrooms, the more we learn about the, the pale blue dot in, in space, the more we understand mm -hmm. that we're part of the molecular balance in this in this sphere right and what what are you willing to ride your bike or walk <laughs> instead of drive your car to only go half a mile are you willing to bring a reusable water bottle with you everywhere you go so instead of um, getting plastic water bottles are you willing like all of that stuff using bamboo utensils totally. reusable or metal utensils reusable instead of every time you go out to get takeout getting the plastic spork like all of those things are far less convenient they're a pain in the ass when yeah. they're not habit and they're a pain in the ass they when the be system habit, yeah. yeah because the systems aren't set up to make that easy how do you feel about flying then adam like do you feel guilty when you fly a lot or do you feel like it's, <sighs> it's just like you don't have another choice actually at the moment i yeah so flying is a really interesting one because i yeah. fly a lot yeah i've probably taken a hundred plus flights in the last year maybe uh, or at least two years. So um, that's a tough one because I just don't have another option. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the options for me are just stop traveling, yeah. which is th th then I stop doing my work and leading workshops and, and spreading. And that might work for some people, but that doesn't need to work for everyone to stop doing what you're doing, right? It's more like, what's what are the options there? Yeah, what but one example of what yeah. I do is I don't eat airplane food. Okay. I don't eat airplane yeah. food, so I do, and I bring a reusable water. So I'm not using the plastic cups. I'm not using the you're plastic adapting things. To I'm what's not there, yeah. eating that food. Um, 
I use it as an opportunity to fast most of yep. the time and say, this is a great opportunity for me to do 18 hours, 24 hours of fasting. Um, Reduces the jet lag tremendously. So yeah. All of these things. It, and so these are ways in which, yes, I'm, I am on the plane that is leaving a carbon footprint of some kind. And here are the ways in which I'm not um, contributing to the other things that, I, that are within kind of my control. Really cool, man. I feel like we've been sweating in, in this beautiful little makeshift podcast booth. I like that we, we dove deep, which we is what deep. you do. That's Even it. in just 30 minutes, that's really cool. Yeah, it doesn't have to be long. And it, it doesn't also to be, have to be, be like, you know, points can be made, but I feel like this, this idea that every conversation needs to land a concluding point. It's like these are ongoing conversations and observations in our society. Like we are yeah. living this regenerative shift and it's yeah. everyone like, you know, I, I don't really feel guilty anymore, but I highly question all of my choices because I want to like give the best I can and sometimes it, it's hard to, to make that possible. Yeah, I'm not here to give anybody answers. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm here to encourage people to think. I'm yeah. here to encourage people to think here, uh, and get, get engaged in a greater conversation because yeah. you and I have this conversation new points get articulated maybe things I've been thinking about for a while but haven't actually spoken and put it in a way that makes sense and just by doing that it actually actually has me observing myself more and um, that's why I started my podcast anyone who wants to hear that it's called the deep dive with Adam Roa um, is to give people insight into the conversations that's it and then take those conversations take what you learn have more conversations about them think totally. about them the next time you're getting on a plane think you know what if I eat at home before I go to the airport can I say no to the food am I cool just bringing a, a water bottle and and contributing in that way or you know what that's right the, the, the store is right around the corner I usually drive but let me just walk and these little tiny shifts that hopefully a conversation like this one gets people to think about and start doing because it's a snowball effect it's annoying as hell because it's not habit but once it becomes habit you don't think about it it's not so annoying i totally agree and often creating new habits even if, you, if it's a good habit like let's say going to the gym in the beginning it's kind of annoying to get over that initial inertia right mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of almost like logically uh, part of any new change is you're embracing something that's at the beginning uncomfortable to then have a better outcome, 100%. a better reality. Yeah. It's going to be uncomfortable to break old neurological patterns that are stored in your body. Plain and simple. It gets uncomfortable, but it's possible. Go be safe, get uncomfortable, and uh, embrace the change. Much love, everybody. That's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to a Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, 
the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview, because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.